it's a lot of fun to come up with object lessons on the spot. And part of the value in that is it reminds us what is most strongly on our hearts. That's why some of the best lessons that we learn as children are the ones that are meant to stick with us. And one of the things that sticks with us is that God is with us and that that God is involved in the reading of the Word. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 24 through 29 today from Colossians chapter 1. This summer, we're just moving steadily through the book of Colossians, studying this, this whole into the church in Colossae. And in this letter, we're reminded that, that the Apostle Paul, though he wrote this letter, did not actually plant the church in Colossae, but these are people that he rejoices that God is at work in other parts of the world. And so it's a letter of encouragement. It's a letter of some general teaching. And it's also today, specifically, one that involves mystery. And so as we read Colossians 1, 24 through 29, I want you to pay attention to how the word mystery is used. Particularly because we use mystery a little bit differently. And the title that's on the screen is actually right. Um, The actual title is not a Scooby-Doo mystery. And someone, seeing the title ahead of time, was so kind as to put some Scooby-Doo graham crackers in the pulpit for me. I don't know who that was. That's a surprise to me. But before we study God's Word together, before we pay attention to the mystery that is before us, let's pray. God, by your Holy Spirit, make your Word clear to us. Speak to our hearts. Speak in our lives. And do this through speaking through your word. And may your word foster a deeper love in our hearts for you, a sense of dedication, service, of love and joy and gratitude as we behold the mystery that is Christ within us. Amen. Colossians chapter 1. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of the body which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now is disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How do you use the word mystery? It's a a puzzle to be solved, right? It's something to be paid attention to. And if you pay attention well enough, if you pick up on all the right clues, 
you'll solve the mystery. Part of the reason that I use the title, Not a Scooby-Doo Mystery, is because the way we use mystery is always a puzzle to be solved. Most of them um, popularized in TV through being crime shows. A lot of Scooby-Doo as a kid. Also, a lot of reruns of Columbo with my parents. Murder, She Wrote. Diagnosis Murder with Dick Van Dyke. Matlock. Criminal Minds. And other shows. They revolve around a mystery. But the mystery, whether it be Scooby-Doo or Criminal Minds, that's a pretty widespread um, as far as how we talk about mystery. The mystery, all the same, is just one that needs to be solved. It's just a puzzle to find out who did what. The way we use the word mystery is just looking for the right clues, paying attention, thinking it through, and everything becomes clear. But the way the word mystery was used at the time when the church in Colossae received this letter, the way the word mystery was used in the Greek language really wasn't the same way that we use it as this type of puzzle to be solved. Mystery, or mysterion in Greek, is not a puzzle, but is specific to something that is divinely revealed. And so the way we might watch a a mystery show, we look for all the right clues, we try to put the pieces together, and if we paid enough attention and thought through it all, we might just figure it out on our own. But the use of the word mystery in Greek, particularly in the New Testament, is not that kind of mystery. This is one where you can pay attention to the clues. You, You can follow the thread of narrative throughout the Old Testament leading to Christ. But ultimately, the word mystery... Is, one, is something that has to be revealed by God. You won't solve the puzzle of a mystery the way Paul uses the word mystery. It's either revealed by God or it remains hidden. A mystery, as, as it's used in Scripture, is either revealed by God or it remains hidden. There might be something that's in plain sight, And the special meaning might be revealed by God. This is how Jesus used the parables. He spoke the parables in plain sight, but the mystery, the meaning, what was going on, what was being taught about Christ's kingdom was in some ways hidden. And it had to be revealed by God, either through Jesus explaining it or through those those breakthrough moments when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and everything clicks together. And we might have our aha moments And when we do, particularly if it's in our life and faith, when we have those aha moments where we understand, where things seem clear, remember that that is the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts and in our minds. When we come to know God better, that is God revealing God's self to us. It's a secret, but it's not a puzzle. A mystery is an invitation towards marvel and wonder. A mystery is not something that you master, but rather it's something that masters you. Think of Christ at work in you, which is the the central piece of the mystery that that Paul is addressing in this section of chapter 1. Christ at work in you. 
you don't master the Holy Spirit working in your life because the Holy Spirit is our master. You don't master the Holy Spirit, but through discipline, we allow the Spirit to master us more and more as we grow in Christ so that Christ's love, the mystery of God dwelling in our hearts, becomes more clear in our witness to the world. That's what Paul calls the Word of God in all of its fullness. We don't master the mystery. This mystery of Christ at work in us is meant to master us, and that's only through us giving of ourselves and, and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to move through us. Even though we celebrated Pentecost a short few weeks ago, the work of the Holy Spirit is eternal and continues to happen. We grow to know God better. It is the Holy Spirit at work. It is Christ at work in you. And maybe this concept of, of mystery being something that we allow to master us doesn't sound like our favorite thing because it doesn't give us the next steps. And in life and in times of uncertainty, we crave next steps. We want a GPS to tell us what to do next. But the Holy Spirit's working in our lives is a lot more like a compass bearing where you need to find true north, which is Christ. It needs to align with your map, which is Scripture. And then you have a direction, but maybe not every step ahead on the way. Following the direction faithfully is what we are called to do, even when we're not sure what's over the next mountain. And so I say that maybe this might be a little bit disappointing, that this invitation to mystery is to let it wash over us, to let it be an invitation to wonder. And some of that, just to speak for myself, and you can decide if this resonates for you too, is that often Reformed folks, people with our theology, love a good bad dog sermon. What I mean by that is this. We're told what we're, we are told that we're bad and then what to do about it. And it's clear, it's simple, it's straightforward. And I think it appeals to our work ethic. It makes us feel like we're in control, that we can fix it. But we can't fix everything in life. We can't fix our sin. We can't fix some of the problems in this world that just seem so much bigger than us. But we can marvel and wonder at Christ. It might not give us the next steps that we want to say, Christ at work within me is a great mystery that I'm going to spend my life appreciating. But if we just focus on wanting God to give us the next steps, if we just want to be told, you're bad and here's how to fix it on your own, well, then we're diminishing God's grace and the freedom in Christ through the whole See God just as a taskmaster. Friends, God is our loving Father. And a loving Father doesn't tell us that we're horrible all the time, but that we can just earn the favor back and earn the love by proving ourselves to Him. A loving Father says, I love you unconditionally. And I might not always like everything you do, but you will always be my daughter, you will always be my son, you will always be my child, and I will love you. 
And I will celebrate with you when you love me back. I will celebrate you in those moments when you get it right, when you, when you got just a little bit more of this mystery into your heart. My love and longing for your salvation, for your wholeness, that love is a mystery for you to dig into. As Aaron led us in the Confession and Assurance, we were warned again to, to not put God in a box, but to think about the mystery that is Christ's love. It's not a mystery because it's hidden. The whole point of this text is that it has been revealed. And it's not just for the Jews. It's not just for the Gentiles. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is for the whole world. It, it's no longer kept hidden or secret. But it is still a mystery because it's beyond our comprehension. That we can get glimpses of God's perfect love for us. But we can't in any conscious singular moment grasp all of God's love or know all of who God is, we could spend our lives marveling at the mystery of Christ's love. To spend some time today or this week in prayer simply asking the question, God, how much do you love me? God, how much do you love me? And to dwell, to know that no matter what you hear in that moment, you can't capture all of God's love. That it'll always be a mystery beyond our comprehension. But not hidden or secret, not a puzzle to be figured out, but a marvelous gift to be appreciated. A mystery is not a checklist of what to do. A mystery is the starting point by which we wonder and marvel at the very fact that Christ saves us and wants us and wants to use us to be at work in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. The mystery as we learn to appreciate it is what fuels our worship. It fuels our response to live for God, not out of guilt, but out of gratitude. Not out of guilt, but out of gratitude. How many of you have heard of the Heidelberg Catechism? Okay, come on. Most. The Heidelberg Catechism is one of the teaching tools. It's, it's several centuries old. And one thing that's interesting about the Catechism is where it puts the Ten Commandments. Because the Ten Commandments are in the gratitude section. The Heidelberg is laid out in guilt, grace, gratitude, or sin, salvation, service. Just pick your alliteration depending on what generation you're from. But the Heidelberg put the Ten Commandments in the gratitude section. Because the Ten Commandments are not used to earn God's favor, but the Ten Commandments can show us how to live, how to live a grateful response. And that's fueled not by, not by fear, not by terror, not by guilt, but by gratitude for this wonderful mystery that Christ loved me so much, that Christ died for me. And to live your life as a response is a life lived in gratitude. Not out of guilt because the debt's been paid and we couldn't have paid it on our own anyway. We live knowing the debt's paid and we won't pay it back. So we live instead with gratitude as the best form of faithfulness that we can offer. We do so hopefully with joy. And so marveling at the mystery of Christ at work in us might not feel like it gives us the next step that we want. It might not be the direct answer or application. 
But that's part of the point. God's fullness cannot be grasped by us. And if we think we've got God figured out, it's not God. It's just our perception of God, which would be arguably too small. This is part of the Apostle Paul's journey, is that he had God figured out in all of the right ways until God intervened and God revealed God's self. And then this mystery, the Word of God in its fullness, as verse 25 puts it, this Word of God meant for all people is so much bigger than could have ever been imagined. The gospel is no longer just about what family you're born into or what race you are or your last name. This good news is for everyone. Imagine wrestling with that for the first time or how to wrestle with it now and today. It's mystery. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, verse 26, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery is Christ in us. Something we can't put into all words. We preach Christ. It's simple, it's basic, and yet it's intensely profound. God's not a puzzle to be solved. But God at work within us is a mystery to be appreciated. How do we dwell on this well? To think of in the days of Christ that that salvation was understood in the Old Testament as just a thing for the Hebrew people and now is so much bigger. And the Apostle Paul, in, in writing to the Colossians, rejoices in suffering, even with the gratitude and mystery. Verse 24 is about rejoicing in suffering Essentially taking, you could put it differently from I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's affliction, could say, I want you to know how glad I am that it's me sitting in jail and not you. There's a lot of suffering to be entered into in this world, the kind of suffering that Christ takes on. And I welcome the chance to take my share in the church's part of that suffering. That's how one commentator tried to explain it. That yes, there's a lot of pain in the world. And Paul's simply saying, I'm willing to take my turn. It's worth it because this suffering is not needless. There is meaning in this suffering because I'm participating in Christ's call upon my life. And it's worth it for me because of what I hear about you. When we opened this series, I asked you to imagine if, if, if we received a letter from one of my professors, someone that you hadn't ever known or met, but the joy they have in hearing about what was going on here and knowing that God was at work here at North Holland. Paul is saying, I'll take my turn of suffering. It's worth it because there's meaning, because I see the fruit of the gospel being lived out. Verse 25 says, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in fullness, which is the mystery. It's meaningful. Suffering is meaningful because my task is to present the word of God in fullness. 
and I'm going to take some hits for that. For the Word of God in fullness is that great mystery. We don't always like things we don't understand, and we don't like being told that we don't understand. And so all the more joy is had for the early church missionaries and us of sharing the mystery of Christ at work. Christ at work in our hearts, sanctifying us, drawing us closer to one another and to the Lord. Christ at work in us, receiving the type of comfort that that we're not scared like mice or caught like chickens by tigers. Christ at work in us is a peace and a presence. And sometimes it might feel far away. Times where life will shake us to the core. And even in those moments, we surround ourselves with people that we know care about us to know that Christ at work in me will still continue to happen, even on days of trial, even in times of uncertainty, that then especially is the time to lean into this mystery that Christ will never leave us or forsake us, but will dwell with us in our hearts until the day that we are called home or until Christ returns. It takes discipline, not laziness, to appreciate a mystery. We admire athletes that are very disciplined in their trade. They're naturally skilled, but then they also just worked hard. In the same way, we don't create works righteousness, but it can be admirable to put some discipline into appreciating the mystery of Christ. Not working our way to solve it as if it were a Scooby-Doo mystery that, that we could get some Scooby snacks for figuring it all out. That's not how this mystery works. But to dedicate ourselves in asking, God, how much do you love me? Or in simply saying, thank you, God, for your love for me. Or sharing it with a friend. Sharing that with them this mystery that Christ longs and yearns for your heart. And that this is for all of the Lord's people or the saints, which now includes the Gentiles, which is still something pretty new at the time of the letter to the church in Colossae being written. The salvation plan isn't just for those who are born into the right family. It's for everyone. And the mystery isn't hidden anymore. The mystery is meant to be shared so that all can marvel at it. Is Christ at work within us? Friends, let's appreciate that mystery. Dwell in it daily and this week. Either ask God, how much do you love me, so that you can marvel at that mystery, or say, thank you, God, for your love for me. Remember, it's a mystery that cannot be contained in any mystery box or other limitation of our mind. Let's pray. God, your greatness no one can fathom. Your love for us is beyond our comprehension, but it's not beyond our ability to appreciate. Fill us with marvel and wonder. Fill us with that childlike faith that can love things even that can't be understood or contained. 
but that can be appreciated and marveled at nonetheless. Lord, give us that childlike faith, even as we grow in our understanding of you. In those moments that are puzzling, help us to see not clues that we're figuring out, but the ways in which your hand is at work. And fill us with hope and trust that you will continue to be at work. Now and forever. Amen.